Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Happy Easter. Uh, It is my privilege today to share with you, uh, over the last number of weeks, uh, we've been doing some conversational types of messages, and today I thought it appropriate to share with you uh, from God's Word as we look at the Easter story, or at least a piece of it, and consider its significance. Easter is a day of celebration, and particularly for those who love Jesus, uh, man, it is, it is the best day of the year because it's the day that we remember and celebrate His resurrection. I, I'm wearing a pink shirt, okay? I don't normally wear pink shirts and pink ties, but I'm wearing it today because it's a day of celebration. Uh, you know, I'm in an empty room, and it feels weird, so maybe post-edit I'll insert some laugh tracks and a few amens from people like Joni Wilson. You know, because normally when I'm speaking, I'm looking at your faces and I'm hearing your responses, and it's, and it's interactive. And so I'm just going to imagine you're here and try to have some fun with this. Earlier this week, my plan uh, was to air uh, today a video of a sermon that I did at Easter back in 2014. In fact, back in 2014, I was wearing this same shirt and tie as I preached a, an Easter message called Pivotal Moments. And in that message, I talked about how there are moments in our lives that define us. There are moments in our lives that change the trajectory of our lives. I used a number of examples in that message. Obviously, graduation and maybe marriage for some, the birth of a child, uh, maybe it's a promotion, maybe it's retirement or the birth of a grandchild. And those are, those are happy events and moments that change the trajectory and the direction of our lives. And you know, there are also some negative ones. We talked about uh, loss of a loved one, bankruptcy, divorce, disease. There are things that alter the direction of our life in significant ways. And these are called pivotal moments. And in my message, of course, I talked about how Easter is the pivotal moment that literally changes the course of history for all humanity and changes the course of our eternity. And so that was important. And the reason why I wanted to share that idea with you about pivotal moments is because of this, I really believe that right now, this COVID-19 pandemic that's going on around the world really is a pivotal moment. I I can remember nearly 20 years ago when 9-11 happened, and I remember where I was, and I remember what I was doing, and the TV I was watching, where I was watching it. And many of you who are older will remember that. Well, in the same way, 10 years from now, Many of us and our kids and our grandkids will remember this season, this window of time when all of this is swirling on around us in the world and we'll remember it as a pivotal moment and we'll reflect back on it in a particular way. And so I hope uh, that as we celebrate Easter this morning, it will help put some of the chaos that's happening in our world into perspective in a particular way. Who could have guessed that two months ago we would be here? that we would be meeting at church on Easter in our homes. I I would never have guessed it. And it seems to me as though things continually change and they're changing at a rapid pace. It's almost impossible to keep up with it. In fact, um, all the things that I had on my calendar for April are gone. 
And these are things that I wouldn't have never given up. I would have never set them aside. Maybe some of you have delayed vacations and conferences and family gatherings. For so many of us, this weekend is a weekend when we would gather with our family and loved ones and and it's gone. And so many things are changing around us and all of it can be a little bit disorienting. In fact, uh, this past summer, I took my family, my wife and I took our our four kids uh, to the East Coast. We went to Prince Edward Island. And uh, while we were while we were on our way to Prince Edward Island, we stopped in New Brunswick at a little attraction called Magnetic Hill. Now, some of you have been to Magnetic Hill. Some of you have experienced Magnetic Hill. Some of you are like, oh boy, uh, there's not much there to experience. But I particularly enjoyed it. I've got a, a picture that I'll, I'll put up on the screen of, of our, our kids in front of the sign uh, enjoying that. Um, I also have a video. Let me show you a quick video of my then 16-year-old son with his learner's permit driving our brand new van uh, up a hill. Actually, not up a hill. He's actually, well, you watch the video and you'll see what I mean. Go up that hill, magnetic style. All right, let her go. Don't touch the brakes. Just let it roll and steer it. This is legit. We are going up hill with no... That feels like we're going right up a steep hill. Now, even without being there, just seeing that video of our van going up that hill, and, and I promise you, he was in neutral and we were rolling. Uh, just seeing that, you can you can see even from the video that it looks legitimately like we are rolling up a hill. And Magnetic Hill is called Magnetic Hill because it seems as though your vehicle is being pulled up the hill. It doesn't make sense. But in reality, it's an, it's an illusion. There's something about the way the ground goes down and the horizon is sort of cut off from view. And it's hard for you and your eyes to orient with the horizon to know which way is up or down. And so while you're actually rolling down a hill... Your brain is telling you that you're rolling up a hill because you're being disoriented. Well, I think that in the same way, uh, if we, if you and I lose sight of the big picture, if we lose sight of the horizon of God's love for us, His purpose, His plan for us, His care for us, it is very easy for us to find ourselves struggling. It's very easy for us to find ourselves lost in our current situation, in all the things that are going on. And honestly, it's easy to do. Just turn on the news. Turn on the news and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of we don't know what's going to happen. And people are swirling around with all of this negative information. And so today, uh, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about how we can find something to anchor our souls to how we can find someone to whom we can look that will bring stability in the midst of this situation that we were in. You know, that first Easter in the days leading up to the resurrection, um, many of you will know what happened. Jesus' disciples, his closest followers, and also many of the women that followed his ministry, Mary and the mother of James and John and, and others that supported and loved and followed Jesus, they, they watched with anticipation as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And everyone expected that everything was up to the right. Everyone expected that, that, 
that everything would just work out wonderfully, that, that Jesus would, would become king and he would bring peace. And of course, instead, he's uh, arrested. And that night in the garden when he's betrayed by one of his own disciples with a kiss, and he's being dragged off to uh, an unlawful trial where the sole purpose is to have him executed, Jesus' disciples and his friends are, are just caught in a situation that they could never be prepared for. And everything is swirling around them. They, they've lost sight of what's up and lost sight of what's down. Jesus, in fact, told Peter that he would deny him three times. And then Peter, sitting outside the courtyard, he, would, he, he, he said, no, I don't know Jesus. Three times he denied Christ and then he heard the rooster crow. I mean, can you just imagine the uncertainty that Jesus' disciples and friends were feeling. It it felt like everything that they expected to happen didn't, and everything that was unexpected and and that they thought would never happen was happening to them. And I suppose in some small way this Easter, you and I can understand that. I mean, there is uncertainty with our work, with our friends, with, with what's going to happen with people's health. As we look at the news and we look at the stock market, everything is moving and changing And it's very difficult for us to find our bearings in this difficult time. And so, of course, Jesus is falsely accused. He's crucified and put on the cross. And there on the cross, there's this verse that I I never really paid attention to until this year. And here's what it says in, in Luke 23. It tells what happens immediately after Jesus breathes his last breath and dies. Luke 23, verse 49 says this. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee. So you have all his friends and and these women that supported him. And they stood at a distance watching these things. And I don't know why, but in three Gospels it says something very similar. Right after Jesus dies, it makes mention of the women who are watching from a distance. And and this, this phrase, stood at a distance really resonated with me this Easter because obviously with social distancing, we're hearing this word distancing all the time. And it was almost as though these people that loved Jesus were standing at a distance watching him suffer and then watching him die. And when he breathed his last breath for for pretty much all of them, and when he breathed his last breath, their hope disappeared. I mean, the one they had trusted in, the one they had followed was now gone And all these circumstances caused them to spiral out of control. Now, this is more than just losing sight of the horizon. This is like a vortex, okay? A couple of years ago, uh, we went as a family to Ripley's uh, Museum in Niagara Falls. And if you've ever had the chance to go there, they have a room called the Vortex. And there's a bridge that goes through a spinning room with mirrors and lights. And I'm telling you, uh, if you walk through it, it is impossible to walk straight through that thing without falling over, crashing into the guardrails. Uh, All the lights and spinning, it's impossible to get your bearings and get a reference on something. And so it it makes you dizzy and you lose your balance. It is a really, really trippy experience. And I have to imagine that for Jesus' disciples, they were experiencing something like that. Everything they thought was going to happen didn't. The world as they saw it came crashing down around them. Think about this, their identity disciples, students of Jesus, gone. Their master's gone. Their careers, preachers, gone. Their hope, gone. Everything 
had spun out of control. But of course, that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story because something happened. An event takes place just a few short days later that is going to alter the destiny of the disciples, alter the destiny of human history, and alter the destiny of many people watching this message online. I want to look at at what happens next. And so we're going to go to Luke chapter 24 and verse 1 and take a look. And it says this, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the first day of the week is Sunday, at early dawn, just as the sun is coming up, they went to the tomb. Who went to the tomb? I'll tell you this, it's not the guys. It was the women. It was those women that were watching from a distance as Jesus died, waiting, wishing they could do something. First chance they get, sun's coming up, they're headed to the tomb. They've got spices that they prepared to anoint his body. I've always found it fascinating when I read this, that the women on Easter morning are working and the men are hiding. It's quiet in this room. Thank you. (laughs) And it says this. It says, and they found the stone rolled away. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So the stone is moved. They were probably wondering, how are we going to move the stone to get to the body? There's going to be guards there. Will they let us in? They show up and the stone has already been rolled away. And it says this, but when they went inside the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, most logical people would assume if the body is not in the tomb that someone has stolen the body. Maybe they were wondering, what did the disciples do? But everything became more clear as they stepped inside the tomb. And it says, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Look, if there's ever a day in the year when you can wear dazzling apparel, when you can wear a pink shirt and get away with it, it is Easter Sunday morning. So I don't know. I hope you guys aren't in your pajamas this morning. I hope you put on something nice just because it's Easter and you can And so while they were perplexed, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. These men, of course, are angels who are going to speak to them. And then next it says, as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? The angel said, listen, why are you looking for Jesus here? He's alive. He's not dead. And they're probably scratching their heads going, what are you talking about? The angel continues, he is not here but he's risen. Remember. The angels are reminding them. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, crucified and on the third day rise. Jesus had predicted not only his arrest, not only the type of death, but he also predicted that he would rise again. And Jesus, of course, was true to his word. And then it says next that they remembered his words. That it wasn't until they saw it, experienced it, heard it again from the angels that it clicked. And there's a moment in your life and in mine when this story clicks, when the resurrection clicks and all of a sudden <gasps> the lights come on and we understand the significance of his resurrection. And it says in returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 And to all the rest. So they told the the disciples of Jesus. They told some of the other followers and friends of Jesus what they had seen and heard. 
And it says this, that now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. The first people to share the good news of the resurrection were these women who loved Jesus and went to the tomb that morning. But I want you to notice this. It says, but these words seemed to them an idle tale. The disciples who had heard Jesus' words, who heard the testimony of the women of the empty tomb, still didn't believe. And if you're watching this today, and you say to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical about this whole rising from the dead thing. So were they. I mean, the men that followed Jesus, saw Him do miracles, heard Him predict this, still weren't sure. They thought it was an idle tale. Oh, these ladies, maybe they're just, they're just emotional. They went down to the tomb and, and they don't really know. They're hallucinating. Who knows what they were thinking? But they did not believe them. But Peter, the one who had denied Christ, rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. It doesn't tell us that Peter instantly knew that Jesus had truly risen, that he was convinced of the resurrection, but the wheels began to spin and the words of Jesus would have come back to him and Peter would have been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And in the days that followed, Jesus would then appear to his disciples to encourage them and teach them. And I'm telling you, the resurrection of Jesus revolutionized their lives. And of course, the resurrection of Jesus will also revolutionize our lives and so today i want to share with you uh, one more passage of scripture that i find in particularly encouraging at this time and it's found in in hebrews uh, chapter 12 hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 there's some encouragement for you and i in the midst of this situation that we find ourselves in this easter here's what it says uh, the writer of hebrews says therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses What's he talking about? Who are these witnesses that are surrounding us and watching us? He's talking about, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it describes great men and women of faith from throughout history that did amazing things and trusted in God. Their faith in God was strong. And because of their faith in God, they, they did things that ordinary people wouldn't do. And here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, we have Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Rahab and Samson and all of these unnamed people who died for their faith, who went through difficulty and through it all, they trusted in Jesus above all things. They trusted in their God above all things. And he says, they're watching us. The apostles who have died Many of them died for their faith, crucified, are watching you and me today in 2020 in the midst of COVID-19, watching to see how we will respond to this message of Jesus' resurrection. So since we are surrounded by these witnesses that have gone before us, who are cheering us on and watching us live our lives, he says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. There are things in our lives that are harming us, that don't matter. And he says, in light of what God has done, would you set those aside? Would you lay them aside? Would you let them go? And then he says this, and let us run with endurance. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. And, and when the writer talks about running the race that is set before us, I'm reminded that we don't get to choose. I was playing a video game with my kids the other day. 
And uh, it was a racing game, and there's literally hundreds of crazy wild tracks with jumps and ramps and all kinds of stuff. And I wanted to just keep racing the same track so I could get better at it and beat them. But they kept changing the track, and I was mad because I wanted to choose the track so I could learn uh, how to beat them. But in reality, we have to run the race that is set in front of us. We, we don't always get to choose our circumstances. We don't get to choose how our government's responding. We don't get to choose how our boss is responding. We don't get to choose how the economy responds. All of these things are, are out of our control, but we can decide how we run the race. We can decide how we do what we do. So he continues by saying this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to him. You know, this amazing thing that happens is that when you find a reference point that you can look at, it brings stability to everything. When we were at the magnetic hill, if you could see the entire horizon, it would actually let you know that you're going downhill instead of uphill. And something amazing happens when we look to Jesus and his resurrection and the fact that he is no longer dead and that our hope is in him. And when we look at him and when we see him, immovable, eternal. It grounds us no matter what's going on in our lives. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, he says, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. When Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, when he died in our place, he did it for you and he did it for me. And that's not all. And it says, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of of God. This is encouraging to me because it's a reminder that Jesus is not dead. He's not in a tomb. He's not lifeless. He's not powerless. He is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. And um, in spite of what's going on in our world, he has not fallen off his throne. He's still in charge. And our hope is in him. And so today, um, as we celebrate his resurrection, I pray first and foremost for those who have never trusted in him, for those who have never come to realize that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, that when we trust in him and his finished work on the cross and his resurrection, that we can have hope for eternal life, that we can become sons and daughters of God through Jesus, our Savior. And for those who who don't know that, I pray that you would hear those words that like the disciples, you would, you would seek to discover who Jesus is and what it means for you. Secondly, for those of us who have been following Jesus for many years and today is another Easter when we celebrate his resurrection, I pray today that, that you would be reminded of his faithfulness, that he keeps his word, that he hasn't fallen off his throne, and that in spite of what's going on in your life, whether it's job loss, whether it's illness, whether it's isolation, whether it's the economy, that you'd remember that all of those things can shift and change, but he remains the same. He is faithful. He is risen. He is on the throne. And that's why we celebrate Easter.
Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.